thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. further ado three two one welcome to the know thyself podcast i am eduardo and i'm here with daniel hello and um yeah man it's been a long time coming back to the tarot and i I really do before we started recording um daniel and i were talking about you know just coming back to this subject and really trying to have an understanding that you know what we've been doing with hercules and the story of the bastard as its external journey and really understanding what that tale really unfolds for our journey as, as humans and what we're doing to continue our path on the journey. The tarot is always going to be the imagery that really represents what's happening in the internal. And that's, what's very exciting about doing the tarot and coming back to tarot the way that I personally express myself through my understanding of a lot of this information kind of has to wear another hat because when I read the stories from Alice Bailey, it's not only that it resonates with me, but I can't wait to convey what resonated with me to individuals where the tarot, obviously we understand that there's this image, there's this card, there's this way of interpreting what you're seeing, but you have to kind of pull it out from within. And I think that's what, it not necessarily is difficult for me, but it gets, it's a different excitable uh, component to my understanding of archetypes and how we break down those archetypes and what to take from the archetype and what to really uh, pay attention to. Because again, you can give one of these cards to an individual and they'll just say, oh, well, I already, just by looking at it, if they have no understanding of the tarot, they'll say like, okay, I see what I'm seeing. And in this case, as we move into the emperor, it's very um, self-evident. Where mm-hmm. the empress, I know that it was heavy. It had a lot of information we had to talk about. Why nature? Why nurture? And here there's a stoicism about this or the stoic appearance of this emperor and this um, idea that there's a ruling figure here and this masculine energy. And so there's a lot to break down today with regards to that. And well, you know what I'm trying to say. So yeah, let's just start no, it off, man. Absolutely, man. And, you know, I do think that that's an interesting thing for all of us to kind of sit with as we do the story of the bastard and as we do the story of the fool with the story of the bastard, the the moving through the Zodiac, especially how it was presented to us through the story of Hercules, you know, it is, it's, it's this, it's like we're reading the words off the pages and we're going through the journey through words where the Tarot is a pictorial journey. You know, it's a journey of symbols. And although they both, you know, blossom something inside of ourselves, it's almost using a different part of our consciousness when we're connecting to the tarot, rather than when we're reading the information off of a page, like a story or a mythology. And so they both contain, you know, infinite amount of information and wisdom that's enclosed within their descriptions of, you know, the self-realization of the soul. They're done in two different ways. So the tarot is this interesting thing because it, it it blossoms within us and it and it works and it operates in a little different of a way and so it's always exciting when we kind of come back to 
to this story of in the journey of the fool and, and kind of explore it and really kind of activate almost that intuition that we were talking about with that last journey with the fourth journey, the first labor of cancer. Yeah. Right. Absolutely, man. And you know how, how we're tying all this together and, and again, full credit to, to my man over here, Daniel, with how we incorporate all these different, not only stories, but also the ideas of what the story is trying to pull out from us uh, in a subconscious way, but also just in an external way. Like I was saying, you can look at the card yourself or you can read a story that we've been, um, you know, breaking down like the labors of Hercules and have a connection to it. Or you can, you know, go a little deeper and try to figure out what's really going on uh, underneath the surface and why the story was written in the first place. And I feel like as you know, you and I continue to go on these journeys of separating and coming back and separating and then coming back again to, to have these discussions, it's not necessarily becoming easier to have these conversations with you, but it's becoming, um, it's, it's interesting that we, that we do this as a podcast because sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like I don't have to say much to you because I can say what I'm going to say. And you're like, oh, I know what you mean. I'm like, okay, so then we're good. And you're like, I think we're good. I'm like, I don't think we really did an episode just now. because We just like <laughs> concluded what we both know. But I think, you know, for the sake of, of these conversations for the audience, um, you know, it's it, as we have this open discussion, there is more that gets pulled out in real time. And I think that's what becomes very powerful with any of the symbols that we are not only trying to break down, but are trying to um, have an open discussion about, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and something like the Tarot just kind of really hits home because again, we can interpret that that's already been either broken down before us or has its own opinions on it. But here we are, and these are just our own opinions on how we, we see this, but also how you might see it as well. And I think that tying those two together is what makes it a very excitable um, process. And so I'll do my best to slow down because there's so much I want to ask, but I think we're, we're going to, you know, just start right off of, of really understanding the opposite of the mother and here we have the father. So I think, you know, with that in itself, that's a very simple way of just expressing like, Hey, you know, what we talked about before, we're going to talk about the other, um, the other half. Yeah. You know, so let's go, man. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we're meeting our cosmic parents right now. Uh, and we met our mother first. Well, it's because you met your mother first, you know, and that was with the empress. And that's why she comes before the emperor because she carried us in our stomach. And even though maybe our father was the first person we saw when they received us, we already knew our mother and we already had this like intuitive nurturing connection with her that stays with us all of our life. You know, we talked about the importance of understanding nurturing, also the understanding of like leaving the knee of the mother as well through that process of self-development. Well, this is the emperor card. This is going to teach us the strength to detach from the breast and actually become our own sovereign individual. And that's what this emperor card is very much going to kind of represent. And so what we're looking at here is, is the cosmic father, um, this universal life force energy that we're really going to look to have a self-realization and an awakening 
of how this energy is within us and how we're going to utilize this to actually create strength in this realm. And so when we think about the Empress card and the Emperor, it very much represents our father and our mother. And that's subjectively with our own personal relationship with these archetypes in our life. But it it graduates out of there and it climbs out of there. And so we're going to really kind of look at bridging the micro with the macro as well today. And taking this, you know, this expression of what our parents represented to us as these archetypes, but know that they were just a representation of it. And even though they might have tried their best, they didn't they might have not fully been able to embrace all of the attributes that are actually tied to these archetypes. And so we really learned through this that, you know, even if we did not have a mother or father, say that there was like a void there, that doesn't mean that these life lessons were absent from us. And there's going to be other areas that we're going to kind of see this because not only did you have your personal mother who carried you, but you also had mother earth which provided the abundance, which nurtured you, which grew, um, and took you through that process of learning how to love. And we take that even a step further to that universal womb of life, which we kind of think of the void, more of the yin energy on a yin-yang. And that's going to be like the macro expression of this, where our own personal relationship with our mother is going to be the micro. And we're going to be kind of connecting those, those, um, we're going to be connecting the above with the below today and right. seeing that, you know, that pathway to it. Well, the father is going to represent the same thing. We have our personal representation of our father or the father figure in our life, but it's also going to be able to kind of climb up to the macro as well. And we're going to go from the father to kind of like our society in law and order. And we're going to keep climbing that up until we get to that, that universal life force. Um, the, the OG, which we like to call on this podcast, the original generator, or if you like to say the word God, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, but that's what we're really going to be kind of looking at exploring. So, you know, one of the things is if our, you know, again, if our parents didn't completely understand these archetypes to be able to present them to us, it doesn't mean that there's are going to be a void in our life because there's, we've always had a mother and we've always had a father, um, whether we were orphaned or not. And that's kind of what the story of all of these are about is that you've always been a universal child. Um, and these energies are getting your attention, nurturing and creating strength for you um, f- from womb to grave. From womb to grave. No, that's great, man. I mean, I, I like that the way you're carefully sort of putting all this information down and, and actually giving people an idea that, you know, it's not so much that you need to have a paternal influence, you know, that influence is already within you. And and you can find it with a lot of the things you do. I mean, even the single mother, you know, can only do so much as far as nurturing their child before they have to implement another form of nurturing, which is discipline and structure Mm -hmm. and a form that allows them to still convey what they want to convey as far as giving them and them being their children, um, some kind of life that involves, um, structure, but also with kindness and love and empathy. And I feel like as we talked about this in the series of walking the middle path, this is still the middle path, even though we're talking about one-sided archetype away from the mother, you know, the mother nature uh, aspect to the empress, you have this other form of nurturing in, in the emperor with nurturing society itself and creating that structure for society so they could 
basically evolve, um, you know, comfortably without feeling oppressed in any kind of way with that masculine, masculine energy rather that some people might misconstrued with the emperor thinking that, you know, this archetype is all about discipline and it's all about being more callous when in fact, it's not about that. It's about being able to, again, give the opportunity for structure so that you can find the peace from within. I mean, even if you were just to go on a nature walk and as a one person individual, you have the intention of wanting to commute with um, nature and be out in some sort of, you know, lone path. Um, but you have to still pull a lot of uh, discipline into yourself to make sure you have enough water and that you know where you're going and you're not getting lost. So even if the intent is to just go out there on your own, you still have to find some form of, of structure in order to get yourself back and to actually succeed on that journey. You know, just because you see the path, um, you know, you should, you should probably not risk it all if you're not going to get any benefit out of it for lacking some sort of either structure or concrete idea that um, would allow you to prevail in that little journey that you might go on. And so we are always tapping into both. You know what I mean? You can say that you find yourself having less structure, but you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some form of routine or some form of discipline. Um, you know, it just doesn't have to be expressed to the highest, um, to the highest potential sometimes to where people think it's an archetype of this masculine energy. And I think the emperor kind of shows us that, you know, you were saying that the king with the lower ego, and then there's the emperor or the king with the higher ego, the higher self is what they're really tapping into. And I think to tap into the higher self means to have that idea of what the nurturing aspect of, of, of the mother that we all have in us, um, well, should always be considered, you know what I mean? Should always be, um, approached from within and not just rule the external, um, for the sake of power, you know? And I feel like that's something that we'll, we'll talk about here with the emperor and everything it represents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, we're, we're going to, one of the big conversations that we are going to have today is what true power is and truly who the true emperor is that's within us and making sure that we're giving that life force energy to it rather than allowing it to almost be hijacked by like that lower ego. And so that's going to be something where we look at exploring, but yes, our parents are going to be the representation of this universal archetype that's playing out. And it's such an important role for us to walk that middle path. Um, you know, we need to love, we need to nurture, but we also need strength and foundation. And the first thing that we're going to kind of talk about is what true strength is and what do we build our foundation on. And this is a really important thing as we're continuing this journey because foundation is everything. You can build the best house in the world, but if it's on a poor foundation, it's not going to last it's not going to last time. And so what we're going to really see is with this emperor card is we all have this desire for power, but the problem is is we only see and perceive power from kind of, you know, some through like indoctrination from our upbringing. We see power as an external thing that needs to be obtained on the outside when truly true power and true strength has to be manifested from within. And this is where we actually build the foundation of, of who we are that will stand the test of time. Um, you know, 
this internal strength that we're going to connect to is that universal life force that's within each and every one of us. And we're really going to move to connect to it, harness it, and then be able to use it in a responsible way, in a way that it's not so much impeding on other people's strength and trying to control others, but gaining full control of the higher self and really putting the higher self in an ability to work as like a channel of it. And we'll have that universal life force flow through us so we can do the will of truly what our destiny is calling for us to do. And so the emperor teaches us all that we go through so many episodes in our life of building a castle of sand, losing a castle of sand, right? We build a castle of sand and we lose a castle of sand. And what it's telling you is you're not building in, you're not building on the foundation that you need to build on. And so time will always take what is ever on the external. And the only one, only way that we could build something eternally and to last the time, the last the, the cycles of time is going to come from the inward and make its way out. Strength is only found on the inside and then it blossoms into the outside world. But so many of us are, are, chasing and finding strength in the outside world that we hold on to it and we become attached to things and we can't even you know we lose things in it and we lose ourselves at the same time when truly all we're trying to do to find strength is just to find ourselves and that's what this this emperor is really going to kind of show us it's really going to kind of teach us what foundation we build on and the only empire we truly try to make is the development of our strong character to be able to be able to be the protector of this nurturing loving side of ourselves because again we don't protect the sacred feminine in ourselves because it's weak we protect the sacred feminine in ourselves because it's worth protecting um and that's something that we're really going to kind of look to inspire in this conversation because you know, only the strong can love. And we brought this up last time, but that's what the emperor is going to show us. Only the strong can truly love unconditionally. Only the strong can truly align itself to objective truth. And only the strong can actually become spiritually free, which are the three pillars of what all spirituality should be leading to. Whatever it is that your spiritual discipline is and whatever you kind of call it, as long as you're tapping into those three pillars, it doesn't really matter what you're calling it because those are the three pillars. That's what's going to be eternal. And that's what we build our empires on. And that's when we really crown the true king, which is the higher self. And we really can kind of dethrone this lower king of kind of like we were talking about in the alchemical process, you know, taking out the king of the personality and putting the true rightful king of the higher self back into that sovereignty position. So we can actually start the process of right action, which is what the emperor is going to teach us, how we utilize the heart to power us through to be able to make the right action for not only the unfoldment of our own destiny, but for the evolution of universal consciousness. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, I've been thinking about this for a while and I've, I've said this a few times to you already, but in the last like two, three years, in regards to studying Stoicism, I love listening to or reading about Marcus Aurelius and the way he approached, you know, the situations that he had to face as an emperor. And one of the things that are very self-evident in most of his um, 
diary entries, if you listen, if you read meditations, or if you listen to an audiobook on meditations, is tapping into that that side of himself that um, sort of sacrifices the power uh, on the external and goes within in order to provide for his kingdom. And the kingdom itself recognizes that, and for that they become stronger as a whole. So having that um, that idea of knowing that it's not just discipline, it's not just structure that aids society, but it's also having to bring in, you know, the internal purpose of why you need that structure in order to have that spiritual development. You know what I mean? If, if you're living a life of chaos and no structure or no boundaries, it'll also be just as difficult to find the time to have that spiritual development and to connect to the higher self, if that makes sense. And I think that's something that um, he as an example of being an emperor and his time, you know, executed very well and, and, and use those attributes that we're talking about right now that are more, uh, the essence of the loving and more caring, um, female aspects to our, um, way of living than to being this ruling and, um, powerful King that is just sort of using the external power for, serving the lower ego, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And we really, you know, and again, with with emperor and king, especially in the West, we, we really have kind of a, a tainted representation of what that true archetype represents, because we correlate it with the the degrading nature of how we saw royalty throughout history. And so everybody kind of correlates it with, you know, the the royalty that kind of came more around like the 16th and 17th century and the 18th century, when truly the sovereign, you know, the the true philosopher king or queen is something that really goes back onto eons. And what that truly represented was a enlightened individual right. who main purpose was to create a society for the authentic nature of each and every one of its inhabitants to be able to be blossomed. Right. And that's what this true king is going to do. The true king finds its own authentic self and it you know it pushes that out into the external, but it creates a society of a just society which is probably something that not a lot of us have a relationship with in the present day. But it, it presents a just society that allows a structure for each and every one of those individuals to blossom their authentic selves. And that's truly what a true, like, you know, what a true, like, philosopher, king, or queen would represent. And like you said, with Stoicism, um, and like what he wrote in his personal journal of meditations, right, that wasn't supposed to be published, he really was giving us almost a flash into the past of what true leadership is. And a true leader pulls the best out of you. It doesn't, it doesn't force you into a box. It pulls what is that universal life force out of you. And it gives you a space and a security to be able to blossom that. And that's what we're truly looking for. Our power comes with owning our own power, being still with it, understanding it on a on a deep spiritual level, but utilizing our power to help others shine their own internal life force out of them. A true leader is a mirror. 
and you see yourself and you see your potential from them fulfilling their potential. And through that, we actually create a strong society. Now, we don't really have this relationship with like true universal natural law and order um, today. Law and order is a little bit more based off of greed and power, but in its in its true essence, there's something very beautiful about the structure that allows you know you safely to explore who you are, um, and that's really what we're going to be you know kind of like trying to um, move into. But um, but yeah, you know this is this foundation, this true foundation that we're looking for is found within. And like everything else, it's all found within and it moves out. And right. this foundation is that that connection to this to this universal life force that is that is being operated within us. And it's it's never gonna be found in the external and make its way in. That's that's building your castle out of sand. That is the dog chasing its own tail. Um, but that's what we're constantly being instructed to do you know oh find it in your career find it in your relationships find it in your bank account well all of those things are great things to establish but you're only going to be able to create a unity with those things once you find the unity within and then all of a sudden you find what you want to do to spend your energy on which is your career you love yourselves enough that you can give love to another person you know and all of those other foundations all those other things will come into place once the foundation of the higher self is established well said man yeah finding love within the structure is the key not just seeking the structure for the external reward and i think that that's where a lot of us, you know, walk on these journeys or the journey that we're all walking on rather, you know, that'll present itself a few times where, you know, whatever you were chasing, whatever ladder you were climbing before you took your first step to go up where you already taken it with the idea of love and bringing in that nurturing aspect of what we spoke about with the Empress will definitely guide us more successfully within the structures we're trying to create in order to ascend Versus just ascending with sheer will and power and no internal direction, you know? Absolutely. The internal compass, you know, um, finding that internal compass is going to be the way to really direct us on how to use our God-given power as creative individuals, you know? Um, And truly, you know, putting ourselves in the proper place and you know just gaining dominion over the self and not being ruled by our personality or our lower aspects or our negative thinking patterns or our you know um, destructive emotional responses elevating above those and finding that internal power is is what we're really kind of looking at and you know again external power is always going to be a a thirst that can never be quenched and we will try and try and try. And it's just like, you know, kind of going back to that connection with sand, it's like being thirsty and drinking sand and then wondering why you're still thirsty. Right. And we're always going to be kind of chasing that. And so, you know, this universal life force is within you and it's always been within you. And that's only where we're going to be able to find this and really kind of, you know, push this outside of ourselves. Um, and so that's what we're, we're really going to be kind of looking at here um, of this, 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 you know, this, this harnessing of our own internal force and utilizing it in a responsible way that not only creates structure 
and form for us, but create structure and form for others so they too can continue this journey of self-realization. That's great, man. I, I love the conversation between the external and the internal because even even a young child can look at the imagery that we're about to break down right now and rather than having curiosity as to what disposition this individual has on their throne, they might be more enamored right away with the external idea of the power that they hold in this image. You know, the throne that they sit on, the the armor that they wear, the colors that are so vibrant that come at you that make you feel like this is someone that isn't to be messed with, but someone I should also respect. But having an understanding of why you respect and why you would even follow a leader of a status like this is where the true gold actually lies. And I think that's something that's going to be um, presented to us over and over again through, you know, eons of time of, of just trying to decipher between what we see and what we feel. And I think that this emperor card kind of shows that to you right away because it's us that have to uncover what this actually represents in the image, but it's the image that comes to you first that could deceive you into thinking, well, just the appearances of this individual are not only stoic, but they're stern and they are maybe lacking empathy and maybe they are in some sort of aggressive state of mind that has no room for um, weakness, but it's so far from that. And there are def definitely ways to, to break this down as we take each image in the card. So do you want to just start breaking the card down now? Yeah, I think we can kind of start moving into breaking the card down. And, you know, I like how you brought up to the idea of not being deceived by our first thoughts when we see this card, because that's also something that this emperor is going to represent. It's it's grounding ourselves to seeing, having like our first sober vision of what this conscious experience is about. And it gives direction, it gives discipline, like right. we were talking about. But the ability to see through deception is something that we're going to kind of see through this card. And this is, this is usually a card that people, um, especially when they kind of start approaching the throw, they get excited about the magician. You know, there's mystery about the high priestess. We get connected with the nature. And people kind of get like, oh, the emperor card. And they're like, oh... Yeah. Okay, like this is, you know, this is like, you know, this like quote, like toxic masculine entity card and stuff, but it, it's so much more, you know, it's so much more. It's so that. much more. I mean, if you were to even be in the presence of, say, a man of that kind of status or even a female of that kind of status, but if you were to see and hear the armor that they carry, first and foremost, your senses would already be focused on the noise of the weight of the shield that they carry around their body and their armor. And then it would be the actual reflection and the color and the power that it would sort of not um, present, but sort of make you uh, realize your status when you would see an emperor walk by. But in reality, the weight of this shield is very, very much an uncomfortable um you know, uh, part of their, of their ensemble, but realistically it's there to protect the most important thing, which is the heart. Cause without the heart being protected and in its vulnerability, then there is no way to really lead an entire kingdom. And so again, people I think would fear the individual walking with such power, but really the individual carrying these external materials is probably telling you like, this is the worst 
I don't really, you know, need to be carrying this, but I have to in order to protect not only myself, but to protect the kingdom. And so I feel like right away, you already have two different class of people who are witnessing that when they're in the presence of such an emperor, you know what I mean? They're just like, oh, I bow down out of fear to the things that you're presenting to me physically. But the king himself or the emperor in this case with his card may tell you otherwise. It may say, you know, you're, you're misconstruing me by the way I'm I'm presenting myself physically to you. And I feel like the card does that with the imagery right off the bat. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, this is someone, again, not to be messed with, someone that I probably don't really, like, I just kind of want to, like, get this over with. Let's talk about the emperor. Let's talk about egos. Let's talk about masculine energy. Let's talk about the archetype that conquers and divides and maybe where all problems have arised. And then that's not really the case here. You know what I mean? Again, it's just the external. Um, so now we'll go right into what the real representation of, of some of these more harsh um, archetypes that we've put together over time actually are going through within. Yeah, absolutely. And the heaviness that this card carries is, I mean, it's the first card that's actually carrying heavy things on it, Yes, you know, with the armor that we're going to kind of talk about. But you kind of think about the role of what this this masculine energy also even represents in the raising of children. Um, and now again, you know, this is more of like traditional older gender roles. We don't really have it broken up into this point now. So again, the mask, the, a man can represent this empress energy, a female can represent this em emperor energy. But if we went down to more of like the, like, I guess you would say like the traditional gender roles, there was a heavy aspect of the father having to be the hidden parent because the father used to have to go out and make the money, make the energy for there to be a home of security for the children to be raised in. But that was like a sacrifice. That was a heaviness that the father took on. They didn't want to go to the factory. It was... They did that so the mother could nurture the children. And they understood that that feminine energy was more nurturing. And so there was more of an abundance there. And again, this, this can shift today. We're not talking about gender roles currently, because you can you could be the breadwinner as the mother in the family and be the one that is the hidden parent. But there's a sacrifice there. You know, they they knew though that the sacrifice was worth that. They knew even though that they weren't going to be as emotionally close to the kids, that it was a benefit for the the rearing of the children and that they had to kind of be this role of strength. So even if this emperor card wanted to, on a Saturday morning, just kind of lounge out, they knew that they, even on their days off, that they would have to be doing something because they were creating discipline and always in the eye of the child, they wanted to show them what strength and meeting the resistance of life was all about. And so, you know, that father role, and again, this can go from both, um, you know, even, you know, same-sex marriages, single parents, um, or it could be just completely flipped. And we could have like a, a father that's in the nurturing role and the mother who's out in the career. Um, there, there was a sacrifice that came with that. Because outside of self-development, the ancients felt like the second greatest thing you can do into life was to raise the future of consciousness. So self-realization was the first most important thing. And then second was the raising of the future generations of consciousness. And those were the most important things. And so this was a sacrifice that was done, 
you know, the work wasn't seen as this like this thing to escape the family. It was seen as like a sacrifice for the family. Um, and now again, those those roles and even our changes with our relationships with careers have evolved today. But this was the heaviness that kind of came with that father energy of even being like, hey, I I can't be as emotionally close as the nurturing parent um, because I do need to be this example of strength and foundation for them. Um, and so there is, there's, there's a heaviness that kind of comes with being that strong role model, which this emperor represents. And again, you know, it can go both ways on that. So don't feel like, um, we need to send me any angry email. I know that, you know, we have both of these energies kind of being represented, but always in, you know, even in, um, any kind of relationship, there's usually going to be more of this emperor energy taken by one parent and this empress energy that's taken by the other. And they can switch as well. At certain times, one could be the other. Um, but this also shows us, you know, just how much we need to support single parents um, right. because they have to play both of these roles. And we always give, um, you know, you know, raising children, I do feel is outside of self-realization. I do kind of relate with the ancients. I feel like that's one of the most important things we do. So uh, a big shout out to all of the parents out there um, for all of the the sacrifice you make so consciousness can in life can continue um, and continually evolve in the way that is going to be beneficial for the future. Absolutely, man. No, I'm glad that you're actually, um, you know, bringing that up. It is very important to, again, once we start breaking down each of these um, smaller components that make up the entire emperor. You know, this part of the emperor is within all of us. And just like the part of the empress is within all of us. And it's just having the ability to know when and how to tap into that energy in order to provide and sacrifice ourselves for the greater good. Being that in this case, raising uh, either a family or trying to aid a society that might have, you know, either been misguided from the previous emperor or from the previous leader without really having to have both components. We always talk again about the duality and walking the middle path, pulling from both sides to basically be the best version that we can of ourselves um, by having those, those elements within us, you know, combined and, um, and help us, you know, along the way to have an understanding, not only of ourselves, but of those around us. And I think that, yeah, I, I really do appreciate you giving the shout out to the single parents. I know that shout out to my mom, you know, she, she helped raise two boys, um, on her own and she did have to use a lot of, of both sides of, of her energies. But, you know, when my dad was around, I always thought it was interesting that, uh, quits quick side note and, uh, mom, I'm sorry that I'm throwing you under the bus here, but I was way more afraid of my mom than it was of my father. My mother was the only one who did the more physical discipline or I was a more disciplinary individual, I should say. And my father, though, was like this looming presence where my mom could use that card whenever she wanted to and say, well, wait till your father gets home. I'm like, oh, man. And yet there was never anything that occurred. But just just hearing that, I was like, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And just I think that was how she would pull that sort of energy out um, in order to instill sort of a discipline without there being any physical repercussions or any kind of like verbal um cues that would make us realize we've done wrong uh, because there was this weight to my own father that I can't really describe. And now that I'm in a male in, in, in my thirties, I feel like, you know, I'm going to have to really, um, 
be careful on how I use this sort of um, external realization of my power and I have to go more internal in order to provide to my family uh, a more peaceful and understanding perspective that I think I need to pull from a nurturing aspect of my mother rather than a physical and disciplined aspect of my father. So the example that I lead by is more by the heart of my mom than I ever did by the physical um, and or mental version that my father presented to me when I was a child. And so that's what I'm constantly working on right now. It's yeah. just like, hey, how do I let go of this um, more rigid side of myself and open my heart up a little bit more and be prepared for how I need to use that? Um, because that's the true power, not not the physical and not the um, sheer volume of your voice and, um, and again, physical power that you want to emanate in order to get attention. You know, the, the true power is, is within and it's a hard discipline to actually you know, focus on. But once again, I just said it right there. You need discipline in order to pull that out. And so you still need those components that the emperor is going to be showing us here. Um, and so again, Mm -hmm. let's go right ahead and and break them down now. Well, yeah, man. And you know, I'm a cat dad. So he lets me know every day that there's, you got no power. You got no power power here, but it's very true, man. Um, you know, the mother's going to teach us the key to immortality is through the heart. The father's going to teach us that the only empire we could build is our character. And again, you know, we can represent that mother and father as the empress and the emperor. And just remember that these both components are operating within each and every one of you, not uh, an attachment to the physical gender, but just understanding that there there is, you know, a positive force and a negative force. There's a protruding and a receiving. And, and that's what we're really, um, you know, kind of looking at here. Um and so, yeah, man, where would you like to, um, where would you like to kind of jump on in on this, um, on this, on this card that we got, or we're both kind of gazing at right here? Yeah. So, you know, I, I know sometimes we go from the bottom up and sometimes we go from the top down. I think we should go from the top down, um, first and foremost with the numerology and this being the fourth, but the fifth card, because as you said before, when we started this journey of the fool, you know, we started with zero and yet this card is number four, but it's the fifth of the archetypes that we're breaking down so far in this journey of the Tarot. So let's talk about four. I mean, you see four uh, quite a bit here. I mean, even in just the four corners of the throne of the king uh, or the emperor with the ram, and we'll talk about the significance, obviously, of the ram energy, but, you know, the the four is very apparent, even if you were um, completely oblivious to any of these symbols and what they are and what they mean, you were to hold this card in your hand, the card itself, you know, shows you right there on all four sides, something that's going on, uh, aside from just the number itself above. And so four. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, again, what a, a perfect number for this, this sign of creation, you know, and that's what four is really talking about. Four is going to be form. And I mean, you can hear the word for in form. That's why that word form was connected there. Um, the phonetic root of it is for. And so there's there's a connection right there. And four is going to represent not only the four elements of creation, it's going to represent the four directions. You know, it's going to represent everything that is almost in this reality. And that's even when we... The cube, absolutely, or the you know the more the square, more right? Square, yeah, the yep. cube would be a lot more. That's going to be six, right? Yeah. Um, but 
what is the the cube is just an extension of that and six is going to have a lot of connections with four you know even when you go six plus four gets you back to ten which restarts the whole cycle and so yeah that's this is going to be kind of like a whisper of what's kind of coming next right um but but four is also what you call a very balanced number there's um you know it's it's got structure to it it's concrete and four really represents you know spiritual and abstract concepts being collapsed and bringing down to form. So four really represents the spirit being pulled down to earth. It represents order, firmness, um, the ability to focus, you know, thoughts, solving problems. Four is really going to kind of allow us to operate within the elements and be able to solve the problems of this external reality. Um, four is, you know, it's it's the coming together of the internal self and the external world. So the duality of ourselves meeting the the polarity of existence. And that's what's going to kind of get, it's the two plus two equals four. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, connection with with structure here. And, you know, even just thinking of you know, the four sides of the walls that we're in here. It's going to be this this like squared kind of structure that really is going to kind of give birth to like the cube, like you were going to be kind of like speaking on later. And, you know, the four really is going to speak to us about, well, what do we create out of form? What are we doing in this reality? And how do we create that structure that is going to be a fort for our going forward in this world? So what is going to give us that form to be able to create that structure? And just think about all the words that start with F-O-R and the phonetic foundation that is established there you really kind of start to see how how much is implicated implicated even in this the english language with the number four um and again you know really looking at the phonetics of words is going to give us a deeper understanding of not just becoming a a deaf phonetian and just knowing a word from its definition it's going to give us a much more deeper understanding of of these words and why they were created in the way that they were um, but that's what four is going to very much represent. It's going to represent this this structure. And again, what do we build? You know, how do we build in this realm? What do we build from? And we spoke about this earlier. It's it, it can only be built from the inside, and that's where strength is found is from the inside. And we build from that creation of that strong character to be able to have that foundation to be able to not you know not to break when the winds of life kind of come our way absolutely man yeah i think um like i said i know it kind of already you know jumped a little bit ahead but even when you look at the structure that he sits on you know the throne itself is very much this sort of angular very right angle very um you know very well formed throne that he sits on but every corner for the throne itself has that Aries energy. It has that Ram, you know, that it represents, you know, on every corner of, of it, that's of that form. And so we you know we already broke down Aries before all this. And, you know, I know we don't have to like rehash all of everything that we opened up in the conversation about Aries, but I think it's just imperative to see that every point on this, on these right angles has 
that RAM energy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just thinking about the four with the idea of the right angle. Um, again, this is the right angle we don't see a lot of in nature. We don't see a lot of 90 degrees angels, so, angles. So this is very much going to be a representation of, you know, intellect and how the right angle is used to create foundation in this realm that we perceive as like chaos, kind of as nature. Right. And this is going to allow us to use our intellect to be able to create structures, to be able to meet the resistance and the dangers and the test that nature presents to us. And so, yeah, that's that's a great thing to think about. Um, again, this is why the right angle plays such a, a big role in masonry. Um, this is why it plays such a big role in like esoteric carpentry. There's, there's a deep significance to the right angle and just the intelligence that is afforded to us as human beings. And so, you know, we think about this four here, but like you said earlier, you know, we also know that esoterically, this is the fifth card of the tarot um, because the full card has been denoted the number zero. And so when we kind of think about four moving into five, well, now we understand where that higher intelligence is coming from that taught us the right angle. Right. And that's going to be the idea of spirit rising above matter, rising above the four elements. And so if we think about like the five-pointed star, we have the four elements as the four bottom spots of the star, and then the fifth element being being ruled by ether. And that's the higher intelligence that we tap into to be able to see the miracle of the right angle, to understand the unique capacities of our intellect and the boundlessness of our intellect and how we utilize ourselves to harness that energy to help with further creation and help us better utilize the tools that we were presented to from the creator and utilizing it in the assisting of this evolution of consciousness. And so this four representing form but this five representing the form being guided by something higher than the individual itself and what we're kind of tapping into. And that's truly where this true leader of the self is going to operate from, by connecting to that ether, connecting to that intuition, and utilizing that intuition to help guide the right action, to help guide us in creating that foundation that is going to be able to meet the test of time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and again, so that's why I I know I keep jumping ahead of myself, but with the four, I just love how the four is incorporated with that Aries energy and, and that ram and that fire that comes from within, you know? And I feel like that already in itself starts to kind of lead you down a path that we already sort of redundantly talked about, about the emperor being sort of this rigid and intense um, archetype, but really you need that intensity to incorporate um, those right angles that you're talking about, you know what I mean? You need that sort of fire to make that structure. And, um, and yeah, so I, I, again, so when I saw, I know when we talked about Aries, you know, and, in the first of the Zodiac signs, I like that, you know, we brought its aspects of its positive, uh, influence and also how it can be used negatively. And here you have a lot of that with the emperor, you know what I mean? And how we represent the emperor, the emperor itself and how he uses that Ram energy. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, you know, with this throne, um, 
it was through the emperor's willpower, strength, and discipline that it chiseled this throne out. And it's the idea of chiseling ourselves down and sculpting the individual, you know, sculpting away the dross, sculpting away the, you know, the impurities of ourselves and getting to that true universal foundation that's within us. Well, it's like Um, the the gemstone of, of Aries is a diamond. Right, right, and absolutely. And so you talk about removing the dross, and it's like the same, you know, it's just like chiseling it out, you know, mm-hmm. really putting it out there mm-hmm. um, to find its its true value, its true form yeah. from all the noise and all the clutter and all the, you know, the mud and the gunk that's that's attached to it, you know, that we need to remove. Absolutely. And, you know, a diamond is only formed through internal pressure right? Um, and raising the pressure of the self-unfoldment. And talking about how this Aries is you know, only can be really tapped into when we switch from that energy coming, being protruded out of us and actually turning it inside and inward Hmm. and taking that headfirst energy into self-exploration and really diving headfirst into who am I um, and kind of connecting to that. And so you're absolutely right. You know, this is the structure, this is the form, and this is the foundation that's going to allow us to stand firm in our principles. You know, we're not just rolling around. It's not just a rock that rolls from one side to the other. It's it's stable. It's it's formed into the earth. And so this this shows the idea that this emperor is also grounded in its principles. It's grounded in what it knows. Um, it doesn't just sway with the trends. It doesn't just sway with the popular opinion. It stays, it stays firm into what it knows is true. And that was only through this inward exploration that it had. And, and the beauty about it too, as well with that throne, is, is the color and that color of gray. And this also represents the, you know, the in-between of black and white. And we almost represent the middle path that kind of makes its way through here. And the depolarization that is so important, not being bounced around like a pinball, but more finding the, the middle path between the polarities that were presented. Because what the Aries tells us when we go within is polarity is a universal law that needs to be understood in this realm. But the only reason we have polarity is because the wholeness of the universe had to be broken down into parts so we could perceive it through this construct of experience. But in its true natural form, there is no polarity. It, it's, it's oneness again, and the positive and the negative meet. Mm. And so what we really find here is the individual finding that center, finding that grounded middle point to where we can actually operate. It's you know, when we're polarized, we are completely to the whims of what um, the world is presenting to us. And even if we feel like we're resisting something that we see as negative, we're actually gaining assistance to it because it's still generating energy from that polarity pull. It's like we become the pendulum where really we want to kind of get right into that middle. Uh, into those depolarized areas of what happens when you can really find that way. And then you can see both sides of a situation. You can see with clarity. And so this very much represents with this gray color, the, the shedding of illusion and seeing things for how they truly are. And that's what the emperor is looking straight at us with this gaze, because he sees how we tr- what we tr- he truly is and what he truly needs to do. And he's also looking at us in a way of, I truly see who you are. 
So there calls something out of us here where he calls out to say like, no, I, I see I see the goodness in you. I see the potential in you. And it pulls it out of us when we see this card. It inspires us. And we'll kind of go back to, to his, his gaze that he's so set on us. Because even though the empress is looking at us, and the high priestess was looking at us, and the magician was looking at us, there's something there's something that pulls something out of you. There's an excitement that kind of comes. And almost like this thing of like, I can do better when you see the emperor card of like, no, you're right. I, I can do better. I know who I can be. Um, and the, cause the emperor sees who you are, um, not who you're acting like or who your, your cycles and patterns or your lower personality is, is tricking you into being, but the emperor looks at you and, and knows truly who you are. Um, and we can only look and give people that gaze when we truly know who we are. And there's something very powerful about that. Um, when somebody who's really connected to this to this divine masculine energy holds their gaze with us, it, it pulls that higher self out of ourselves, and it could the gaze alone can be inspiring. And so, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, really quick, I wanted to add to. I, I think it's fascinating. You're talking about the, the depolarization in the color of the throne, because um, if I may, the way I had interpreted the color is that it's colorless to the point where it's almost showing you that there is no importance to the structure that you might think has power on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you were to seize that throne, so say you were to conquer the kingdom or conquer the palace and walk in, you know, from a far distance, you see everything that you wish you could have. But when you approach it and actually get to that colorless stone, right angle throne, you're kind of like, well, what can I do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, and he has that gaze that's sort of saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I am not the things that you wish you had here in this seat, in this in this position that he sits in. He's more like looking outward. He's looking at you more like, no, no, like you already have what you need inside. Don't look at what I have right here in this external. And that's what I liked about the colors that right away, everything is so colorful in this, except for that throne to where I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's nothing I can do with that. You know, it's just, it, yeah. it is what it is. It's, it's just a seat that he sits on. He's not, he is not the throne, you know, that he sits on and, you know, it's the throne within him that gives him the power, not the throne itself, you know? Uh, but, but I like what you said because it's, it's true. I didn't even think about that. It's nor, nor black, nor white. It's just right in the middle. So, um, yeah, there's just a comparison that I thought that was interesting. Cause when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I wonder what we're going to say about the pale color within this throne. Um, and how it doesn't, it attracts, but it also doesn't attract, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love that, man. The The power is not in the throne. It's the individual that's sitting in the throne. I think it's something we go through all our lives. I mean, even as we're raised into the society that we're in right now, you know, you, you admire the things that you think you need to have in order to have uh, some sort of uh, worth or um, the attention of others onto you. Um but realistically, like there's nothing you can do with this throne. You can't, you can't lift it. You can't take it with you. And you would have to just sit there <laughs> mm-hmm. in order to feel like you have any kind of, uh, position of, of authority. But if you, if you sit on a throne, you won't immediately inherit any kind of power or authority, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, anyways, the, the back to the colors though, um, there's so much red in this and I, I've, I've wanted to get into the red, um, before we get into all the things that he's holding, his crown, his beard, his armor, there's so much. But one thing that I wanted to kind of go right into is is this color, this this sort of red, this fire energy. Um, do you want to go there? 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, and we kind of spoke a little bit about the armor that's like underneath it, and we'll kind of, you know, go back to it. But obviously, you know, the red is going to represent the the masculine energy that is very much the divine masculine that this card represents. Um, but, you know, one thing that you notice, too, is the idea that as you get closer to the top of this card, um, and you get closer to his heart, the red actually changes its tone. Um, it goes from like a lighter fire red to more of a darker red. And what this is yeah. going to show is the idea of the closer our action is to the actions of the heart um, and divinely instructed right action um, and doing the action of the heart and connecting to that universal yin void energy that we actually kind of saw with the empress. Um, and so this is showing a connection to the, the, the void. It's showing a connection to the, the universal mother. Um, and it's showing action guided by the infinite, um, which the true source of the infinite is in the void. Um, you know, we kind of talk about that idea of like how we worship the light, but truly the light has to come from somewhere. And that's why that the tone is going to kind of change a little bit, but it also sits loosely on top. And so it's, it's also that idea of like, you know, we have the armor, but the armor is not on display. There's still this like beautiful design that's, that's put over it. And this, this really shows that like, we want to have stability. We want to have strength. We want to be at any moment, be able to protect our peace and the peace of the ones we love, but we don't have to put this in people's faces. We don't have to parade around in our armor with our sword and be always asking for the fight. We're ready for when the fight comes. And that's what the emperor is really going to show us. You know, there are dangers in this reality that we have to protect ourselves from. And, you know, because the universe is evolving through us, it expects us to, if we are met with something like having to protect our life, it is expecting us to protect ourselves. Um, it's expecting us to protect our families and the ones that we love. It's not one of those things, you know, They there's always that question of like, if somebody's like a true pacifist and somebody's like murdering your family, could you take up arms against the person who's like hurting your family? Um, well, the emperor would be like, uh, you damn right you should. And it would be like, I don't want to talk to the creator when I get up there and be like, why didn't you protect your family when they were hurting your family? And be like, well, I'm a pacifist. And I'll be like, well, I'm not saying like go out and fight somebody, but if somebody is coming and trying to take your livelihood from you, you're universally expected to protect yourself. Right. Um, and that's what the emperor is showing is just like, hey, you know, you have to protect your peace. You have to protect your body and your vehicle of your soul so you can continue evolving. Now, this doesn't mean we go looking for fights, um, but this definitely means if, you know, if a fight, obviously we're always going to try to defuse the situation. Um, but you are asked to protect yourself in this reality. Um, and that's, again, it kind of seeing through some of the illusions that kind of presented to us. The emperor shows us that, but it, it's not on full display. It's not like we're out there looking for the fight. But um, if we are pushed against the wall, we are asked to protect ourselves. Absolutely. And, and that that's kind of what I was saying earlier about the shield. You know, I think that, you know, when you, when you see an individual of power that has this armor over them, it's not that they're ready for, um, to start a fight, but more so protect what's important 
when the time comes and when they need to really act on um, defending what's most valuable in their life. And I feel like he carries that very well in this, you know, because all they're showing you is the lower side of himself with that shield. It's only about his shins and his knee that shows you that he's wearing the armor, but you know, it's what's above the armor that's more important that needs to be presented versus what's underneath. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, and I didn't even think about the color, uh, the contrast there where the, the color that is closer to the heart is this sort of blood red, you know, versus this lighter red that it's on the lower side of mm -hmm. itself. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, right. Right. So, yeah. No, very fascinating. Right. And again, there's, there's a reason why, you know, Pamela Smith, um, you know, it wasn't just because she ran out of light colored marker or paint, you know, it's because that was, that was done with intention. Um, and, you know, we, we really kind of see that and you really do see that almost like the shield design that's on his left shoulder, which is the closest aspect to his heart. Um, there's even a unique kind of pattern there too, to again, show that there's, there's something guiding right action and we're, you know, there's a, there's a flow that we really are trying to tap into um, that allows us to kind of, um, you know, produce that and really kind of, kind of make that work. Um, if that makes sense. It, it, yeah, exactly, man. And, and it does. I mean, again, there's this whole idea that we've talked about the right side, the left side, we've talked about, you know, the male aspect to, um, or I should say the male energy aspect to our brain and then the left side and with the female aspect and what one represents over the other. And I think that, you know, it's obvious that every time you look at these individuals who have done such a good job of creating this imagery, you know, and what it represents, show you that with the right and the left. And right away in his right hand, he holds that onk. And I think that that's an interesting, um, you know, obviously a very intentional way of, of putting the onk in his right hand. But, you know, the onk representing that, you know, the Egyptian symbol of life, so he has the approach of protecting life, but from not necessarily just a practical standpoint, but a, a standpoint of direction. And again, that, that Aries energy that requires force, um, but not in an aggressive way, more so in, again, a structure that protects that life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And that right hand is such the, the receiving the feminine, right? And so that Ankh is really acting as a conductor of taking those higher energies of direction from that universal life force and bringing it down. And this, this four sign, this number four is all about the spirit falling down to form. And this is using this as like a conductor or a transmitter to, to connect to that higher self through that energy of the Ankh. And the Ankh, like you said, you know, the, the cross is going to rule life and the circle above it is going to rule eternity. And so we have life connecting with eternity. And that Ankh is going to show us what gives us eternal life. And those are the components that we've always been speaking about really in this season of, you know, objective truth, unconditional love, and spiritual sovereignty. And, you know, we say that a hundred times in every podcast because we really could say it a million times more because it's the three most important things that we've ever spoke about here. Um, and it's what everything is concluded to. It's the lowest common denominator of what spiritual work is. And so that golden onk is showing that 
the perfect conductor of this universal life force energy. And this is where the higher will comes in. This is where the higher consciousness communicates to the body of what the right action is to develop and, you know, unfold the soul, you know, because again, we talk about that idea of right and wrong um, being like a, a thing that kind of gets argued in the esoteric and the occult. But the emperor, just like when we talked about nurturing, you know, there's a right way to nurture a seed and there's a wrong way to nurture a seed. Well, the emperor is going to tell you the same way. There's a right way to build a house and there's a wrong way to build a house. And so where we can kind of get caught up in these conversations of there's no such thing as like right or wrong or good or evil, um, the emperor is going to say like, well, when it's when you're building a structure, like you want to build it on a good foundation. You know, right. you don't want to, you know, there's a reason why you build where you build. And so that's what the emperor is kind of telling us there and using that ankh to give us that higher guidance um, and to be a conductor and to let that universal life force energy work through us and realize that we're a transmitter of this. You know, consciousness is not found in the brain. The brain is a conductor or a transmitter of that higher consciousness energy um, that's working through us. And that's what this Ankh is showing, that we're actually utilizing our consciousness to be tapped into the, the highest active that we possibly can reach at that moment. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I didn't want to pass on, you know, I know we're, we're going to go back to his facial features, but I always love seeing that there's a youthfulness to his face, yet the beard being as long and gray as it is shows you how much time and wisdom he's already experienced um, or how much experience he's had within his time on this uh, physical realm. But it's not necessarily at the end of the road at by, by any means. It's just enough to sort of show you that there's wisdom behind, um, you know, everything that he's acquired, you know. Um, again, he's not giving up. He's not on a decline. He's still very much uh, emanating this this strong um, personality, I guess, through the image. But again, the wisdom that follows through. Right, absolutely. And again, you know, this is this is showing with the number four with wisdom. It's because this is the first time that the card is putting right action into place. And so we had, you know, the thought, the emotion, the action, and now we have it in proper action. Um, and so we've, you know, we've met the magician, we've met the high priestess, we've met the empress. And so going through those rites of passage, for the first time, they're able to take the knowledge of what they knew and to put it into action, which is that wisdom. Right. And that, you know, and so I think that's a perfect way of kind of seeing that. Uh, and, you know, that the, again, just like the, like you said, like that wisdom that's kind of entailed into it. Um, but even just like the deeper knowing and that, that, that gaze that's right above the beard that really kind of shows us the, you know, severity of the situation and how important it is to take this life seriously. Um, but also, you know, again, the potential and looking almost right at us to kind of pull out our own potential and pull out our own inner wisdom of, you know, the idea of like, you know, you do know what right action is. You don't need to just study the esoteric and the occult to know what right action is. You kind of always knew. And that's what it's kind of looking at you. And it's, it's again, it's like this, it's not this thing that it's like looking at, it's like it's disappointed in us, but it's looking at us like, 
you know what what you need to be doing absolutely um, i dude i think that's awesome you're saying that just because that's exactly how i felt the whole time with this card is that perfect balance of so there's all this understanding around you here with this with these symbols but no matter what you focus on in regards to any of these symbols how he carries everything he carries in this image is in perfect balance. You have what he has in his right hand, you have what he has in his left hand, but they both sit at the same height. You know, one hand isn't higher than the other. They both are in the same position, but they're carrying different things. And I think that we do that in life where I think sometimes we we focus too much on the understanding of what one thing might represent and we carry it higher above us than we do with other things on other parts of our a journey here or in our life. And I think that being thrown off that balance is what's going to necessarily, not necessarily um, hold us back, but, you know, make us start from the beginning again. You know what I mean? Just because you have the information, does it mean that you know how to take it and make it, um, you know, ap- ap- applicable to your life? And I feel like that's what he is representing is that it's not just that he has a deeper understanding of what has come before and what comes next, but also how to keep the balance and the form and the structure. And I feel like the throne, once again, aids him in that, where he sits with that sort of power and wisdom, but still in a position of balance. And, you know, right away, what he's carrying in his left hand is that orb, you know, that represents, I, I guess, the world itself, the the, the kingdom he, he protects, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, it is, it's like an orb. It almost can be seen almost too as like a golden coin, which would represent like, you know, the physical existence, um, which the coins kind of represent. But yeah, it's, it's that golden coin. And again, the idea of even seeing the future with this idea of prosperity, um, knowing that now that we have right action, that we can actually create gold gold in our actions. Mm. And that alchemical process is now an active component within ourselves that we found internally. And now it's moving out to be able to create, almost get that like Midas touch and to create gold in our physical reality. And that's something that we're very much seeing with this with this kind of representation and like you said it, there's there's a balance you know where we're holding the right hand and the left hand evenly uh, but that antenna of like where we're getting that information from is like coming from a higher place as well for sure you know and how do we bring down the spirit into the earth you know how do we try to through our actions try to alleviate some of the pressures how do we try to through our actions try to bring the spirit down so other people can participate into the finer substances that we found within ourselves. And that's what this true emperor is. It's trying to be able to, for you to see your own hidden capacities. Um, And not so much they're hidden, but more you to self-realize how authentically true you are and that you are, again, you are part of the infinite. And so it's the self-realization that the infinite is already within me. And I just have to realize that. Um, you know, he's, he's putting it in front of your eyes to say, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean and the drop. Um, and that's, that's really what's kind of eludicating to us there. Absolutely. And dude, I, I, we keep going back to his gaze and it's just so exciting because everything you're saying, once again, sort of pulls in, at least for me, what I've got gathered this whole time from seeing you know, this position that he finds himself in. And that is that this is within you as it is within me. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's what for me, 
the gaze represents is that those who are looking at him in some form of awe or some sort some form of um you know lower self looking up at him he's looking right at you he's not looking down at you he's looking over at you saying you are me and i am you and we can be in the same position if you allow for that balance between the micro and the macro to come together as i have done myself throughout the time that he has been the emperor you know what i mean there is no um there's no gaze that that sort of makes you feel small here with him uh even though there's a lot of uh indicators of his power you know um so yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty great i mean again the way that this imagery is is presented is always so telling but also sometimes there's things you have to kind of uncover and the first thing after the throne that i noticed was what lies behind him because of what we talked about with the empress you know we talked about you know the infinite water that that's behind the the empress and in this in this image here you have this barren land these these mountains the the amount that he needs to conquer or has already conquered and how far up he sits above this this land but also what i wanted to talk to you about is like how low the water is down below you know what i mean and what that represents you know it's the stream is so small where when we talked about the empress you know water was the the main feature that we really brought up um do you see that in the rider weight card yeah absolutely and you know um and too you know with the empress we had like a lot of nature as well. Yes. There, you know, and like the high priestess, all water, all right? Water. You know, it was all water. And then you're right, the empress, we have that everlasting spring of nature. And you're right, with the emperor, we do have this this bearing landscape. And I like how you brought up the idea of the mountains of like, well, are those the journey to come or is it where we've came from? And um, it's both, right? It's, it's, you know, it's not only looking towards the future and having that stability to climb to new heights and have that stability to go on that adventure, but also to show us where we've been, you know, and it's this almost like a snapshot of the zeitgeist of us on our, on our journey. Um, but yeah, the, the barren landscape here is, is a quite contrast to the abundance of like fruit and vegetation and wheat that we see with the Empress and even the, the water. Um, and you know what, this is, what this is really kind of showing us with this emperor energy is we must till the land for the potential of a fruitful landscape. We have to do the work. Um, this isn't supposed to just be handed to us. This isn't supposed to just be a a thing of like, yeah, nature is going to give us abundance, but we have to till the land to create that foundation for more fruit to come. Um, and this is going to be really the idea of the focus seeing through the deception and having that ability to, you know, if the Empress is like, like you said, like a doorway, the Emperor is like the window to focus in on that energy. Yeah. yeah, We're talking about how that, that discipline and that structure can be, you know, used as that metaphor for a window to looking out into that world that, you know, we still must consider, but, you know, out a window and out of a frame, you know, there's sort of a more precise gaze that is being directed through that structure where the Empress is, you know, I remember the the dress so flowy. It's Mm -hmm. so big because she's also, you know, um, will be bearing a child, but also to the left of her is that, that stream that's coming down of, of that water and the nature all around her. 
where with him, you know, um, rather than seeing much of the nature on one side or below him, or it's, it's very, um, again, back to angular, it's just very much like a very narrowed perspective of what lies behind and what, um, what is in his world. And that's why I was talking about the stream down below is just so, so, so small. And it's, but is it, is it small or is it just that he's so high up above it, you know? And that's kind of where I, I, I didn't know really how to go about it. You know what I mean? Whereas in the Empress, you can see the flow, you know, you see where it's coming from and where it's actually, uh, and we talked about where it's coming from with the high priest or sorry, with the, yeah, with the high priestess. Um, here, it's kind of like, is it barren? Is it running out? Or is it just enough that you can always go down there if you need to, to, um, to the waters? Or is it just, you know, um, low for a reason, you know, in this valley that he's um, sitting upon? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And we, we definitely have this, this mark of that journey. And again, you know, fruit needs to be earned. Um, it's, it's going to take tilling. It's going to be working the earth. Um, nothing is supposed to just be handed to us. We need to be met with resistance. So we build strength. And that's what the emperor is always talking about. How are you going to meet the resistance of this reality? Are you going to, are you going to bend your knee and fold? Or are you going to meet it head on, which this Aries energy is kind of asking us to do. So this, this, this barren landscape is, is like almost like our, our personality identification, and the planting of seeds is the fortification of our higher self being um, given space to blossom. Mm. Um, and just like when, you know, we've seen with the evolution of empires, there's always this expansion out into barren landscapes. Um, and this is us understanding nature so we can utilize nature to our own betterment. Um, and even the idea of like human capacity overcoming the limitations of nature. You know, even where we're sitting here in the West, um, this was unlivable until humans were able to invent air conditioning. You know, we were able to, you know, even in places in the Middle East where they've been able to overcome this, maybe not with like electrical engineering of like, you know, air conditioning, but more through like how they build their windows and other kind of ways of creating like cooling down spaces. And so this shows the idea of the intellect overcoming the limitations and how we can, limitations are almost like this temporary thing when we really can connect to our intuition and our intellect, we can rise above um, and learn how to utilize nature. You know, it wasn't, you know, you know, you kind of think about the idea of the tomato, well, the leaves of the tomato were poisonous. So until we had the ability to like investigate them and like see that there was actually something that we could get from the fruit, we feel we feared the plant. And so what it's showing is like we fear and we don't understand nature until we learn about nature. And then she will uncover her secrets to us. And it's telling us that ability to always stay in that mode of what can we learn and how can we kind of, you know, overcome, not overcome, but better utilize what nature is actually trying to give to us because nature is going to hide its secrets and it's only going to be to the cunning and the clever that we're going to be able to utilize them correctly, um, you know, and do it in a right possible way. Um, and so, so much potential here, so much ability to um, stark out and kind of continue on our way. And again, doing it in a very modest, humble way to kind of tie back together with like even the crown 
that he's wearing. Right. You know, it's not this, again, he's got gold, but the gold is used as a conductor in his hands and on his head. It's not like we're looking at, you know, um, Pope, you know, whatever the Pope's name is now that looks like he's in a, like a rap video with all their gold. You know what I mean? It's not like it's this abundance thing. It's this idea of utilizing this in a in a way of just using it to conduct energy. Right. And gold is actually an amazing thing for that, um, for the conduction of energy. And like wearing gold is something that has very big spiritual implications to it. Um, but it's it's not this thing that it's it's a showy thing. No, it's know? it's the calling of the crown, not necessarily the you know external um, intimidation of the earning of the crown that rules over the people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. He's not mm-hmm. he's not showing you that he rules over you. He rules himself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, the modesty of it, which is right. which is shows a true leader. And so when we kind of like see, you know, again, um, a lot of religious organizations, a lot of government organizations, uh, they have a lot of gold and the people that they rule over are hungry. Right. Um, and it really shows like, uh, who are they working for? Right. You know? Um, and so it kind of gives us a, a better understanding of what we should even look at with, um, you know, those, the, the kind of leadership that we see in our communities. And so, you know, this whole idea of the emperor really kind of brings us to that idea of, you know, you have to find power within yourself. You have to find your authentic own nature. And it, it really kind of connects to this like really beautiful story, um, written by a Sufi mystic. Um, which is called The Lost Needle. Um, and a really just like a quick telling of the story. There's a, there's a woman who's kind of like um, a mystical woman who is um, looking for something outside of her house. And she's kind of seen a little bit as like a different person in her community. But either way, people see the sun's going down and they see her looking for something. And so they come around her and they're like, well, what are you looking for? And she's like, oh, I lost a needle. And they're like, well, okay, well, the sun's going down, so why don't you tell us where you think you lost it, and we can help you find it. And she looks at them, and she goes, oh, I I didn't lose it out here. I lost it in my home. And so they all start kind of laughing at her, and like a cynic is just like, well, you crazy lady, why are you looking for your needle out here if you lost it in your home? And she looks at them because she goes, well, this is what you do. You lost your needle too, and you look for it outside. You look at you look for it in the external, when really the needle is in your own home, which mm-hmm. is your own internal compass that can really guide you. But everything you're looking for is outside of you, and you're you're the one that's looking. Like I'm just my, I'm just doing what you do here. So like you shouldn't be laughing at me. And there's such a relevance that kind of comes with it with this emperor card, because how many times do we look for our bliss? How many times do we look for you know, the universe in the external. And now Mother Nature, the love that we connect with people can be representations of it. But the only way we're going to actually try to find this true needle, which is our internal compass, is going to come from within. Right. And that's the only place that we can really do. Um, and we can chase and chase and chase, chase our tails, build castles out of sand. But it's it's never going to be the sustaining foundation formation of the true spiritual unfoldment, which is ourself that can only come from within and move out. Well said, man. Well said. I mean, force, structure, discipline can all be used to dominate, but it can all be used to serve. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the emperor knows his place and who he needs to serve. 
And I think that's the important lesson here, you know, is that the, the words that I use may have negative connotations, but the power that comes from them can be used for the greater good rather than to serve the lower self. Right. Absolutely. You know, and checking ourselves and being okay with seeing that as long as we make a change to that pattern and knowing that this lower self is always going to try to gain control back. You know, we, we, we take out the tyrant king, but it always makes its way back. And, um, you know, always just checking ourselves with that strength and that foundation to know that we can meet it on any battlefield that it shows up from. And we'll, you know, and we'll defeat it with our, you know, we'll, we'll overcome it, I should say, not so much defeat it. We overcome it with our foundation, our principles, um, and putting right action into place. Because once you see the universe inside you, there's no looking away. Um, there's no, there's no looking a different direction. Once you see the true reality for what it is, um, there's no kind of going back into the matrix. And, uh, you know, we, we even learned that the story was cipher in the matrix. Uh, even if you try, uh, it doesn't end well for you. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, interesting, interesting story. We talked about this emperor card being an interesting card to talk about, um, in this age of, in this time of cancer that we're in, which is such a within the shell emotional sign. Um, and we're talking about this like external protruding force. And so, um, you know, we, we did it though, which we is no, we, you know, we, we pushed through that resistance, which was kind of calling us to kind of stay within ourselves. I think this, yeah. this last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, like you said, in the beginning of the episode, um, before we even hit record, you know, it's, Coming back to the tarot, there's there's an interesting way of of expressing what we have an understanding of, what more we need to understand, and what we want to really convey from our um, from our lessons and what we take away from the the tarot and, and the Rider Wade card, and also you know the time and place when these were created and these images were presented to us, and how applicable they are to um, to our lives today, in contrast to what we do with uh, the journey of of hercules of the bastard i feel like that one you know that story will keep unfolding as we keep doing these episodes and it lends itself so differently but that's what's beautiful about all the things we talk about on this podcast my man is that you know there's there's no real right way there's only the way that we you know what we take what we take from what has been left for us and how we apply it for something more uh, positive and greater in, in the external world that we live or find ourselves in right now. And so when we started talking about the emperor, I had so much to talk about. I didn't even go into psychological, um, you know, uh, pinpoints that, they, that even that we've talked about before with, with the father figure, because it wasn't even really necessary. I think that what we said was, was plentiful and I think it was enough and it wasn't redundant to other things that we've talked about with masculine energies. And I think honestly, man, you did a really good job at keeping it to where everyone can relate to this. It's not just about being a male archetype. You know, we've talked about this before, female, male, you know, whatever um, we're, we're, we're talking about here, it's the representation of, of what happens within and, and how we have a, a duty to use both sides or all sides of ourselves in order to fulfill the, the greater purpose. And so I love talking about the Tarot with you, man. It's so much fun. Yeah, man. And again, there's, 
This is an endless conversation. This is like a scratch and sniff sticker that we did with this card today, and we just like gave it one little whiff. And so there's going to be more to come. Yeah. I know this is something that we want to continue on, like with the membership videos. Um, and, you know, definitely be looking forward to the full course that we're going to kind of uh, create with all the Tarot, um, you know, and even give a little bit more direction on utilizing this as like a reading. Um, and so you can kind of interpret them even more rather than looking at these like macro archetypes, but it's, it's good For to sure. start with the universal and then we can make our way down to the personal. Cool, man. Um, thank you again to all our patron members. Thank, thank you again to you know, all our listeners. You know, this is a listener supported uh, podcast. And so we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing for the greater good and for, you know, aiding us to continue these conversations between uh, Daniel and myself. And so, um, again, I've said this before and I'll say it again and again, your patience is key for while we're, st we're building this foundation that we um, hope to, to reveal so much more information on uh, in the near future. So anything else, man? No, absolutely, man. No, thank you for the always big thanks to each and every one of you. Um, but other than that, in, until next time, my guy. Until next time. Next time soon. Jimmy Jongas. <laughs> it's a fun word to say. Isn't it such a fun word? Jimmy Jongas, enchiladas. Yeah, Mexican food, man. It's just fun going in and coming out of your mouth. It's something to do with the cha because I've never wanted to dance more than just the cha cha. Right. But I think only so I could tell people, like, I know how to do the cha cha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember, like, when, when I was in Spanish too in like high school. The first time I learned the verb charlar, I was just like, oh, that's forever. <laughs> like, and it's just the chit chat. Like, I never talk about the chit chat in English, but I use that anytime. I'm like, are you guys just charlandoing over there? <laughs> oh, man. I think you were a Latin American in another life. I really do. Um, well, cool, man. You ready? Ready, my man. I think I have all my thoughts composed. This has been probably the most difficult of all, I think because I've spent so much time away from it, but I like everything you debriefed uh, me on with how to put this in a container. So, well, too. Also, man, we're we're in we're in the zodiac sign of Cancer right now, which is the shell and the mother. And we're talking about the masculine, which is mm. the out the protruding. Emperor would probably be so much easier to do in a week from now when we're doing Leo, yeah, because it really correlates to that. So we're really having to like pull it out of ourselves right now, um, and so we're like pulling it out of the void. Um, but it's not completely, it's like almost like it's a, it's almost like it's a premature.